Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Welcome to the Sage Summit 2015. I'm here with thought leaders and provokers of consciousness as well as business acumen. I'm excited because Voice America is hosting live from the Sage Summit and we are bringing some incredible conversations to you. I'm really excited today to have Andrew Davis, aka Drew Davis, with me this morning. His career has taken him from local television to the Today Show. He's worked for the Muppets in New York, written for Charles Kuralt, and marketed for the tiny startups as well as Fortune 500 companies. In 2001, Andrew Davis co-founded Tipping Point Labs, where he changed the way publishers think and how brands market their products. He is the author of the best-selling Brandscaping, which unleashes the power of partnerships. I'm excited to have Drew here. Welcome, Drew. Thanks for having me, Summer. It's really great to be here. We have some amazing people speaking at the Sage Summit, and it is bridging a little bit of business and consciousness, as we heard Colin Powell, as well as... Uh, Deepak Chopra speak this morning and so I'm excited to bridge that idea of marketing branding and business with the nature of the soul because they're one in the same in reality yeah as I went on tour with the rebel road and taught people that we each have a unique genius within us to unleash and we just have to tap into that a lot of it was about storytelling and you teach people when it comes to branding and marketing that storytelling is a key piece in learning how to do that talk a little bit about that yeah sure I mean storytelling is a a fundamental element of, of good marketing but it's also something people are really, really good at. Uh, and, and I think as, as marketers, as business people, for some reason, we seem to forget that when we're trying to grow our businesses. We think there's a set of rules and we've got to get discounts and promotions to get people in the door. But in fact, if you just tell a great story, you can really inspire people to buy things they never knew they needed and really help people. Uh, and that's the difference. So great storytelling is really about building suspense. Can you actually capture someone's imagination and, and really excite them about what the outcome is of whatever you do? Can you foster aspiration? Can you really embrace the idea that they want to be better tomorrow than they are today? And understand that. I mean, you have to really know your audience, know your customer if you, if you want to really tap into what they want to be so you can help them become who they want to become. And, you, uh, you know, you really have to uh, re- f- harness emotion, right? You have to tell great stories that are emotional. They, they either come from a personal place, a, a, a point of really big transition in your life. Those are the kinds of things that people really do identify with. And so good stories storytelling is really about just being a good human being at the end of the day and being a good human human being is, is good business which, which we heard this you morning know in too. in my world I believe that we really are the only one here we do live in a holographic universe and if I'm the only one here when you talk about harnessing that emotion yeah. and storytelling it means I really have to tap into my own emotion I have to oh, tap yeah. into the stories that really touch and affect me in order to really touch and affect and inspire other people and you t- have a topic, and you've written some amazing blogs on your website, which is you'vebeendrewed.com, <laughs> uh, and you talk about inspired public relations. Yeah. And so in my world, in my spiritual world, where I say there's no one else here, there's only you and God in the yeah. room, that inspired public relations, as it translates to business, what are we really saying to the people out there that are really just us in another body? Uh, you're really trying to inspire them. So like I, I call it a moment of inspiration, an instant in time that sends you on a journey you never expected. And it's 
those instances in time, those kind of revelations that you have that, that actually drive all of your behavior, including your consumer decisions. So if you're trying to sell a product or build a business, you have to understand those moments of inspiration. It's not, it's not that you went out to buy this product this morning. What, what happened way before that that inspired someone to go on a new journey and try something new? If, if, if you're trying to sell crafting or quilting things, right? Someone doesn't just wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to quilt today, you know? They, they actually were inspired way before that. Maybe it's a memory from their grandmother, a smell from a quilt they uncovered uh, in the attic, and they say, wow, I'd really like to do something like this. It's those moments of inspiration that, that send people on the, these quests to find something new. And I think from, from a business perspective, whether it's public relations or marketing or just understanding what drives your business, the more you know about those moments of inspiration, the, the more powerful you, you understand your audience and the bigger you can grow your business. Now, a lot of people, when they think about themselves or they think about the world, either there's an unconscious belief or they may consciously say, sure. I really don't want to sell anything. Yeah. I don't even like selling. <laughs> I don't like the word selling. And we are at a business conference. We are at a Sage Summit, which is about <laughs> somewhat about that. So talk a little bit about how we can reframe our beliefs around the word sell. What are sure. we really doing when we're selling? Or how are we really reaching people and changing the world when we're willing to change that look? Yeah. I, I mean, to be honest, I don't like say, selling. The only people that like selling are people that are really good salespeople, you know, and I, I, I don't consider myself a really good salesperson. Uh, I, I actually believe in I call it the yesence, okay? Mm, the yesence. That's right. Instead, like sales is all built around kind of overcoming objections. It's about thinking about the negative aspects of whatever you're trying to to help someone with, and you're trying to, you know, project into the future what they may not like and what they don't want, and you're you're trying to overcome all of this negativity that you believe you're going to encounter. And I think when you change your selling strategy or your business strategy to be about the yesence, the the idea that you're just trying to get one yes at a time and you know what those yeses are. You, if you understand your customer, if you understand your audience, it's not about overcoming objections. It's about getting them excited about what you do and understanding why you do it, how you do it, and what's the impact you're going to make in your li their lives. And that's what's really great about the yesence. It's, it's, it's really about one yes at a time. And I think when, when I changed my behavior <laughs> to focus on the yeses, I, I found myself not just to be a more successful business person, but a happier business person. It was not... It wasn't about overcoming a bunch of negativity. It was really focused on what's the next yes I can get. Oh, grab hold of that yeses. <laughs> that is right. a Drewism. <laughs> so take your essence and get into your yesence. Yes right. <laughs> you know, I, I have a statement that I say to a lot of people, which is you're not on a journey. You are the journey. Yes. And as us being the journey, it means that every step in our lives is really our own movie. It is like our own TV show. It's our own program. And you talk about how in branding or marketing, we have to think like a TV yeah, exec. Right. Talk a little <laughs> bit about that, Drew. Well, I think I, uh, I call it the quest. So you call it the journey. I call it the quest. We're, we're, we are all on this you know, long-term journey, this quest that's taking us somewhere. And the great thing about a quest is you may know where you're trying to get, but you may not actually get there. And in fact, some of the turns along the way may be bigger and better adventures, ones you never expected. And the, the earliest and best form of storytelling is the quest. It's a, it, for me, that's, as a television guy, uh, you want to send people on a journey, an audacious journey. And, and wh what we have today in, in the business world, in the online world, is the ability to bring people along on the quest with us. We can share the story. You know, it used to be 50 years ago that you'd hear the outcome of a quest uh, and then we'd backfill the story. You know, so Hewlett Packard got started in a 
garage. That's a great origin story, and we've heard that a million times, or where Facebook got started in a college dorm room. What's great about the Quest today is you can say, this is where I want to go, and you can tell people on Facebook and Twitter, and you can, you can, uh, you can tell your family and friends on email. You can really build uh, energy around that journey and share those moments that, uh, that evolve along the way and take you to places you never expected. So that's thinking like a television executive. Share the journey, the quest that you're on. That's so good. You know, it's, it definitely equates when we look at our personal soul journey. That's the hero's journey. That's right. And I teach a lot of people, you know, everything in the world is a sign, symbol, of synchronicity, that these are all conversations with the universe. Yeah. So our businesses are actually just an extension of who we are as exactly. individuals. And as we move into that and we look at that journey, that expression that goes outside then moves into the consumer journey That's right. that you talk about in some of your work. So let's take people into that place of how we take that yesence yes. that's inside of us and translate it outside of us to then touch the consumer journey. Yeah, I think, I, you know, uh, today the, the people who run the business, the people who are in the business are just as important a part of the business itself. And they're actually the face of the brand, the company. And that consumer journey is all about really embracing the loyalty loop. It's taking people who've just bought something, have just said yes to whatever you sell and really delivering an experience they can't forget. And that experience is really important. The people who deliver that experience are really important. I, I just ordered some clothes from a company called Trunk Club in Chicago. And Sarah Baker, the woman that packed my box, wrote me a really nice personally handwritten note. That is a perfect example of the loyalty loop. It's an extension of the business from Sarah Baker. I have a relationship now with Sarah Baker, a person at this company. And that's what's really important. You've got to think of your business as an extension of yourself. And you've got to take people on a journey you would be proud of. That's what's really going to build your business. The loyalty loop inspires other people. It triggers new journeys they never expected. And it actually gets them faster to another moment of purchase, which is what business at the end of the day is all about driving some revenue. So if you can really understand yourself, understand your audience, go on a great quest and, and really tell that story uh, and show them a great experience, you'll, you'll be a successful business person and I think a happier human being, to be honest. So as we talk about that journey, one thing that I want to really get across to people is oftentimes it is the failure that we hit mm -hmm. that end up being the inspiration for other people because they see how we've walked not only through them but out of them. Can you talk a little bit about how when a business or an individual hits those moments of failure, what's that thing that we need to do next to keep on going? Well, I, I think those are, for me in my business career, they've all been moments of inspiration. They've been times where I've, uh, you know, had time to reflect on what I did, what I didn't do maybe, uh, what I could have done better, and what the next step of the journey should be. And I think if you're always looking forward with an understanding of what happened behind you, you're a much better person for it. Those, those I would just say you've got to take some time to reflect after every one of those failures. That's in quotes. I just did air quotes uh, <laughs> because they're not really failures. They're great learning experiences. And a quest isn't a journey without a bunch of obstacles. It's not a great story. You know, the meteoric rise of someone overnight into a YouTube sensation isn't as great a story as someone who spent a lot of time really working to get where they've become. And, and to be honest, I think they're much better for it. Yes, and I think the founder of YouTube is one of the speakers that's here right, as well, Chad so that's pretty yeah, exciting. That's be great. I want to thank you, Drew, for being Thanks on 1111 so Talk Radio and bringing your wisdom and your excitement and your gifts, your unique genius, 
to the world. People definitely check him out. Go to you'vebeendrew.com. Get his book, Brandscaping, and unleash that power of partnership in your own life. And definitely tap into his website and read more of his blog. Sign up for his newsletter. Thanks so much, Drew. I love having you here. Uh, Anytime. Have a great afternoon. Awesome. Awesome. My next guest is Susan Solovic. And she is an amazing woman. She is just exciting and beautiful and I'm excited to tell you a little bit about her. She's a woman of many talents. Susan Solovic is an award-winning serial entrepreneur, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Amazon.com, Top 100, and a USA Today best-selling author, media personality, sought-after keynote speaker, and attorney. And she is going to talk to us a little bit today about how we really need to get out in the world and also the power of women, how women are really up and coming as a major force in small business and marketing and branding, and what steps we need to take to get outside of being uncomfortable, but uncomfortable is okay. Welcome, Susan Solovic. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. What a fun event. Oh, it's awesome. The Sage Summit just has so many people and so many amazing speakers, which you are doing some things here. And I loved what I found out about you. You've got some great information on your website. You definitely take people a lot of places into journeys of really expanding themselves. And one of the things that I love that you said is it, it does take a village to raise a child, but it takes a village to raise a vision, to take a, to raise a, a business. Talk a it little bit about that. It absolutely does. None of us is an island in and of ourselves. And that's why we need to surround ourselves, whether you're building a business or your professional career, career or your family, you want to surround yourself with really good, talented people, the best and the brightest. In my companies, I've always said, I want to hire people a lot smarter than I am, <laughs> because then you know you're really going to be able to make it go. But you really want people around you that also are the right people who do share your vision, who have the right skills, but are willing to row in the same direction as a team. So when I tell people when they're building their companies and they're adding that village, if you will, that they want to make sure they've got those right people. So you hire slowly, but you should fire fast. Because Mm. once you identify that somebody isn't the right fit, you need to let them go. I always say, one bad apple can really stink up your business. Let's talk about them bad apples. Uh, Yeah, okay. (laughs) Let's talk about them. Because oftentimes we can really look at a person and we fall more in love with... uh, with what we believe they can do than what they can actually do. Right, I think especially in a small team, they really almost become like your family. And I think women fall more victim to this than men do, but it still happens with men as well. But they become like family. You're all working together, and gosh, you get to know their kids, and you probably socialize a little bit together. And so you expect them to be able to flourish, and you give them every opportunity to flourish. But when that isn't happening, you have to be able to step up and be the CEO and make the decision that's best for your business and for the rest of your team. Because if somebody isn't pulling their weight and they aren't the right fit, it's dragging everybody down and it's probably affecting your customer as well. So you have to make that decision. And you know, a lot of times small business owners, they hire a family member or their friends or at least their neighbor's cousin or whatever. There's some intimate relationship there and that's a tough thing to do but you have to do what's right for your business. And typically, it's probably right for the individual as well because it's not a good fit for him or her either. 
You know, in my world, I teach a lot of people about the soul perspective on all of these things, and business is just an extension of who we are. And when you're talking about relationships, whatever we encounter in our own soul, personal growth level, we're going to encounter in our business the same patterns, the same beliefs, the same behaviors. So as we move through those relationships, and let's say we find someone that's in our business that's that bad apple, whether it is their negativity or whatever they're doing, one bad apple does spoil the bunch. And when you get rid of that person, especially being a woman, How do we not all of a sudden take control and want to wear all the hats, but realize it still is about delegation. It's understanding that a leader stands with their community, not above it necessarily, but with them, but doesn't take on all of their stuff. So I'm really glad you asked that question because I get asked that a lot. And I'm actually working on a new book project now called The 1% Club. And why is it that so many business owners, male and female, struggle and rarely build multi-million dollar companies? And really, a lot of that has to do with their attitude toward things. But one of the challenges and exercises I ask of people is to make sure they have a job description for themselves. As the CEO, they have a job description that says, this is the, these are the best things that I can do to drive this company forward. If I could put my resources and my talent anywhere, this is what I would do. Then you look at all the other 15 million things that need to be done, and those are the things you have to let go of and delegate and find those right people to exercise and, and to execute on those things. But you've got to know what you deliver best. So it, when you talk about the soul, it is knowing who you are as an individual and what your strengths are and not trying to kid yourself that, oh, I'm smart, I can figure this out, because I think that's <laughs> what a lot of us who are entrepreneurs are, we're real confident, so we're like, oh, heck, I can do this. So you have to be able to let go. The other thing I wanted to point out because it it really dovetails on something you just said about the soul. Um, When I go into a business and there are problems, I always look first at what's the attitude of the owner, the founder, because your internal beliefs are reflected in your external results. So whatever you're telling yourself, whether or not you're externalizing it or not, but what you're telling yourself is what's the reality of your business. Mm, That is so true because we just carry it with us wherever we go. How we we do do one thing is how we do everything. Amazingly, we have 60,000 thoughts per day. 60,000 little messages that go through our brains. And I, you would be surprised what percentage of those probably are actually negative messages that you're telling yourself. And so those are the things we have to push out and get rid of that toxicity. You speak a lot about being okay, being uncomfortable. And I think when you're talking about those negative messages, you are talking about that. It's stretching right. beyond what we are believing. Right. And, and putting out in our worlds. Right, especially in today's marketplace where things are changing so rapidly. You know, so many small businesses start out and they become a commodity because they do the same thing everybody else does. The ones who become part of the 1% club I'm talking about that really build really successful, crazy, wild businesses are the ones who push that envelope. And it's uncomfortable sometimes. People may say, you're nuts, that's never going to work. In 2003, I started one of the first video internet websites uh, you know, in the world, and people said, video on the internet will never work. You're crazy. That's the craze now. I know, exactly. (laughs) You know, so I exited the business in 2009 and a happy little girl. So all I can say is you push the envelope. That doesn't mean you always get it right. So the key here is to be resilient enough to recognize, hey, you know what? If you try something, it doesn't work out. You're small, you're nimble, you're flexible. Step back, start over, reevaluate and go another direction. As a woman, can you speak to how both men and women can also maintain balance in their life while also being the busy leader of a company? I think that balance is really a myth. 
So my answer to balance is that you can have everything that you want. You just can't have it all at the same time. So we all look at life stages and certain priorities at different times in our lives. And sometimes the business has to take priority and other aspects of your life, social, family, whatever, may have to sacrifice for that. Other times we have priorities with our family. I've had elderly parents who have been sick. I've had to take a step back from the business and I had to be okay with that. So you realize you're never gonna have that perfect balance, but you can juggle it enough to say, I'm gonna have it all, just not all at the same time. And that's why it's so important to surround yourself with the people that you can really trust and that you can count on to do their aspects of their jobs. Right, another challenge that I have for business owners is where your business is today, if you walked away from six for six months and you were on a deserted island and your smartphone didn't work and there was no internet connection and you came up back six months later, would the business be in the same state or even better than it is when you left? That's if a wake up is, call. Yes, it, <laughs> that is a sustainable business. Yes, that's a wake up call that because is. you have to look at everything right. that you're doing in that way because right, we never absolutely. know what life throws at us. You never know. In my company, we had something called the bus book and is what would happen if somebody got hit by a bus Mm. because you have a short team a small team uh, got so much stuff in your head and I actually did have a business partner who was diagnosed with stage four cancer and given six months to live and was in the hospital in surgery the very next day and it was a wake-up call for me and I realized a lot of the keys of the kingdom were in his head Mm. and I said I will never be in that situation again so you got to have that bus book So as more and more women are stepping into their power and realizing that we can really do just about anything we set our minds to, we step into that feminine leadership. How do we remain very feminine and very strong at the same time and not become men in the ways that we do things? I think that women have a really unique competitive advantage here because a lot of our inherent skills such as nurturing, relationship building, communication skills, those are really important uh, skills for building a company and being a leader. And then if we watch what some of our male counterparts do, which is be a little bit more decisive, maybe better at negotiations, maybe better about discussing money, we're not always good about that. So I think we look at those and we assimilate the two. So we don't become either or, we become a combination of the best characteristics that we can pull together and use those characteristics appropriately. It's no different than if you're playing to an audience. You want to play to an audience and give them what the audience needs. In other words, it's a demographic of mostly young people, you're going to talk a certain way. If it's a senior group, you're going to talk a different way. It's the same thing. You learn to adapt and then that makes you an actually stronger leader. You know, a lot of people have an issue with money. They have an issue talking about money. They have an issue being with money. They have an issue making money. They have an issue spending money. How do we get beyond our issues with money so that we really step more into the essence, or yessence, as Drew Davis <laughs> said, of, of the, the true power that we have and what we're to express on the planet? So when I talk to women about building multi-million dollar companies, um, I used to teach a class on women's entrepreneurship. And the first day of class, I would go around the room and I'd ask all the women in the room why they wanted to go into business for themselves. And there was you know, creative control, passion, work-life balance, doing good for society. And rarely did any one of those women say, I want to make money. Mm. And so I would go up to the board and write the word money and underline it a bunch of times. And I would say, if you're not going into business for this, go volunteer. Because you're going to work harder and (laughs) longer. That's a wake-up call again. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, it's about making money. And for women, I I also practiced uh, law for a short period of time, and I worked with divorce cases and custody cases. 
And I, and, and I would see women who would stay in horribly abusive relationships because they had no economic means. And so I tell women, you know, making money is great, and it's not just about funding your shoe wardrobe, although my husband would disagree with that when it comes to me. <laughs> but, you know, it's about having economic choice. It's about being able to care for your family because the average age of widowhood in this country is 57 years old. So either by divorce, death, or disability, you're going to be responsible for yourself at some point in your life. And it's about being able to give back to your community and having a voice and making social change or in politics or whatever it is that's important to you, having that wherewithal to do it. And so that's what money is about. It's not evil. It's not unfeminine to want to make money. It is a necessary life uh, point in life that we need. Well, and it's about telling the truth. It is. Because I think that's a lie that we tell ourselves when we say, when we want to avoid the conversation and we don't want to make it at a forefront. Right. Women think if they talk about money, they're going to be seen as greedy or they're evil or they're overly aggressive or all these negative terms, right? You know what? I don't really care because I like making money. (laughs) We are at the Sage Summit 2015 in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I'm speaking with Susan Solovic. You can go to her website at susansolovic.com. Definitely check her out. Get her her assistance. Join her 1% club. Find out about all the ways that she coaches and teaches people how to become the best of themselves. The Sage Summit is about accounting and accountability, and I think that that's a little bit of what we've talked about today. Would you like to give a few last words about accounting or accountability when it comes to our own selves and our lives and our businesses, Susan? Yes, I think that I love this idea of accountability because so many entrepreneurs start businesses because they're really good at what they do, but it's those basic business fundamentals that really make you a a success. So I love what Sage does for small businesses because keeping your eye on the financials, the cash flow, and all of that in your business is what's going to help you get to my 1% club. And from a soul perspective, it's important for you to be accounting and accountability for yourself because if you're not listening to your inner self, if you're not listening to your truth, your dreams, your desires, and putting them out in the world, then you are a little unbalanced. (laughs) (laughs) I am Simran Singh with 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you to Voice America and Sage Summit for allowing us to broadcast from here. Thank you, Susan Solovic and Drew Davis for being my guest today on Voice America. Seventh Wave Network and Health and Wellness Networks. I am Simran, looking to speak to you again, broadcasting as of September with brand new shows. Join me then. The world leader in Internet talk radio. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com.